So we're talking about a culture of Jesus this month, and I haven't preached in two weeks, but Tim Roland, who was over here, but he's not anymore. He's over there. Hi, Tim. Thank you for preaching for two weeks, Tim. I love you so much. You're amazing. Um, one of the weeks I was, uh, I felt like I could preach, but I was coughing, and that's a little bit awkward to show up coughing in this time. So um, I, uh, I was like, hey, this is probably better for me not to. And then last week, of course, I was watching my brother-in-law get married. Super excited about that. Uh, but I wanted to talk about uh, the culture of Jesus continued this month uh, and this week. And uh, I wanted to talk about maturity. Um, so when you talk about a culture of Jesus, we can't help but talk about uh, a community or a church culture uh, side by side with what is truly the design of a community that follows Jesus. Uh, so there are probably two distinguishing factors that we must identify right now that not every church culture we've experienced is exactly the culture that Jesus has designed for us to experience. Uh, But this is okay because we're imperfect people and communities are full of imperfect people expressing uh, some beautiful things and expressing some pretty dramatically traumatic things. Uh, Has anybody experienced painful things in church community? Has anybody experienced good things, like amazing things in church community? Right? We experience both of the range because there's people involved, and that's what happens. So when we talk about a culture of Jesus, we are talking about the standard. Right? So, so that's what is a very important fixed idea here, that Jesus is the standard of all of our community efforts. So when it says love Jesus, love people, the Jesus comes first in our love and adoration for him because it sets the tone for everything. The way we approach ministry, the way we approach church community, the way we approach our finances, the way we approach forgiveness, hurt, sin, uh, gifts, strengths, weaknesses, uh, people we prefer in our personality type or people we don't prefer in our personality type. These are all the things that when you say love, Jesus is the very foundation of all of this. It sets the tone for everything else. This matters a whole lot. And we're going to see, and we're going to see today that this maturity aspect, we're not going to just talk about it in a vacuum of the individual, but we're actually going to talk about maturity in community. There is a maturation phase that takes place. I remember when I was dating Jessica a while ago now, um, I still date her, but we're married now. And before we were married, I would tell her that I was mature. Uh, And I was was 19, I think, at the time when I told you and confessed that truth. I was 18 or 19. I was like, hey, babe, I'm mature. Uh, I thought I'd let you know that in case you're questioning that. And uh, she's like, the fact that you tell me you're mature means that you're not mature. I was like, how dare you? Get behind me. <laughs> but it was a really fun and interesting conversation, and, and that began one of the great, great topics for me of, of, of maturity and really the process of maturing. And in community, uh, we all have different levels of maturity or expressions of maturity. The point isn't whether we are mature or not. The point is whether we are maturing. Yeah, so a lot of times we get caught up and fixated on this evaluation stuff. Are you mature or immature? And then who's mature? Who's immature? Who gets this position? Who doesn't get this position? And oftentimes maturity becomes this this kind of seal we give people so they can have power in community. But what we're not talking about today is the qualification for who gets to hold the scepter in community. 
What we're talking about today is the pattern of partnership that we see in our lives and we see with others. We're not talking about a leadership infrastructure today. We're talking about all of community, all of the mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters, grandmas and grandpas. The question is, are we maturing in Jesus? So Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, which many of you have probably heard or, or studied and I've preached out of, but it is such a fantastic framework for maturing in community. And it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So there is an emphasis here right out of the gate, which is the building up of the body of Christ. So all of our efforts towards one, of, uh, towards one another should be with the effort to build one another up. This is incredibly important because it then gives you a context and or gives you an approach to what you do when you see somebody in sin. When you see somebody in sin, what do you do to respond? Well, a great framework for what to do when you want to help somebody that's in sin is what would build them up. And so if you really are trying to pursue this, it will stop you from gossiping or slandering about that person when you see them in sin. Because do you know what doesn't build people up? Gossip. When they hear that 15 people have heard about what they did in sin and that you didn't talk to them, you know how hurtful and damaging that is to that person's life? It's actually really interesting. As we begin to study this verse here, uh, you can't really get away from talking about what we do with sin or misbehavior in a community when we're talking about maturing. Because when we're talking about maturing, it is of the topic of what do we do with our vices? What do we do with our addictions? What do we do with those that are in addiction or have vices and or sin and or deceitful and or slanderers or gossipers and rumors and innuendos and the whole nine yards? We can't get away from that conversation. It's part of a maturing community is one that understands what to do when people are in sin, understands what to do when people are wrong, understands what to do when you get hurt by somebody's sinful behavior. See, maturing is a lot about actually having depth of content to your character and to your ability to handle tough and bad things. It's the immature or it's, it's, the, uh, it's the weak Christian, one that is still learning to be strong in Christ, that doesn't know what to do with trials, that doesn't know what to do with offense, that doesn't know what to do with hurt. Look, hurt's gonna come. It's gonna, it's, people are gonna do things that are hurtful. Maturity shows out in how we handle the hurt once it comes. Do you let, do you let unforgiveness stay and remain with you even beyond your sleep? Like you go to sleep unforgiving of people and holding bitterness towards people. There's a lot to consider and to talk about when it talks about maturing, and it's really a whole lot about how we respond to the ugly, how we grow through the trials, and or how we partner with one another in these ugly places. Uh, I really, and maybe it's because I was in youth ministry, maybe it's because I just like underdogs, but I've always really loved it when somebody was in a really, really tough spot in terms of partnering with them. I move towards people that are like a hot mess. And I'm like, hey, let's be friends. Let's build relationship. And when I see them in a hot mess, I'm like, yay, I get to partner to help bring life and edification on their journey. 
When I see somebody shackled on the side of the road, I'm like, I'm not like, look at this dude all bound up and stuff, huh? I'm like, hey, can I help you? I might have some keys that can get you out of some of those shackles, or I might have some wire cutters if you're all entangled. The point is, is as we mature as individuals, we understand how to approach others in their immaturity. You guys tracking with me this morning? A maturing community is one that is not intimidated, afraid, and or pushed back and repelled by sin, darkness, or ugliness. The light shines brightest when it's dark. So to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. is Look, is Satan winning in our community or is Satan winning in your family? Maybe it's time that you picked up the weapons of warfare and started contending in others' lives for the building up of Christ. Because this is a reality, is that this scripture here, we're going to see it, that our role in others' lives matters to whether or not they mature. And sometimes when we see people in ugliness or brokenness, we can actually be a decaying case or agent of immaturity or maturity will decay as a result of our approach if we don't speak the truth in love. So we've got to understand that our role matters. We can't be passive watching and seeing and going, oh, maybe we should tell church leadership about that guy or about that gal or about that thing I see. Or maybe I should hide and suppress my stuff so that others don't know that I'm shameful and sinful. A mature community is not intimidated and or doesn't allow their love to be dwarfed by people's sin. Remember what Jesus did with the woman caught in adultery. Remember, he stopped people from throwing stones at her. And he also says, I also do not do that. Go and sin no more. So there was a covering and there was a call to repented walk in action in Jesus. This is the truth of the matter is that when people get thrown before us, we must act like Jesus and we must cover them and empower them to sin no more. Until we attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It's like I said before, what is the point of all this is that we are growing into the fullness of Christ. We're not growing into a a model around here or some kind of famous Christian. This is not our model. This is not the fullness of what we're trying to become. We're not all trying to become Joel Steens walking around or Steve Furtick's walking around or whatever the the Christian person or profile we like. And there's nothing wrong with liking them and thinking they're great. But there's a problem with, if that's the fullness of your Christianity, that's a problem. The fullness of Christianity is meant to be into Christ, the fullness of Christ, which, which actually gives a really great design for all of our parts and all of our expressions. See, the problem with putting up a person around here as the model citizen of Christianity for this community is that it isn't comprehensive to the whole of what God wants to do. See, if I get trumped up as being the ultimate image or model or somebody else on the team or Tim or Jerome, somebody else gets trumped up as the ultimate model of what Christianity is supposed to be is that you're probably going to have a really watered down, partial, fractioned image of what Jesus is. And you'll say things like, I just don't know where I fit in. Well, of course not. If your gifts or personality aren't like mine, of course you won't know where to fit in. If I am the exclusive model of Christianity in this community. It should be that in your gifting, you kind of go, gee, gee, Pastor Samuel or Samuel, whatever, 
I don't really know what to do about that. Some people call me pastor. Some people call me Samuel. I don't care. I really don't. But gee, Samuel says these things, and he and he has these focuses, and they, they seem to be very pastoral, and they seem to be maybe even apostolic or whatever. But what about teaching? What about evangelism? Good. You should see the things that I don't bring in my giftedness because guess what? They're not my gifted community. They're probably yours. So you're going to witness me and experience me and others around you as partially gifted. As much as I used to like to think that I had all of the gifts, I don't. I really don't. I have some gifts, and and you might even like my gifts, and that's cool. I like your gifts too. But the point is this, is that we ought to understand that we are seeking a fullness expression, which absolutely puts a demand on us for partnership. Because if I truly want to express the fullness of Christ, it means that I'm partnering with somebody who has gifts and values and priorities in ways that I do not. This is why unity cannot be seen as uniformity. It just can't be because we're going to really miss Jesus if we're trying to be uniform. If I'm trying to say, hey, look, this is how you should act and behave in this community. These are the six priorities and ideologies that we function in. Guess what? I have just handicapped this community's ability to be like Christ in the fullness. Until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I want to say something about unity. Oftentimes, we frame unity as this thing that is us making efforts towards one another. And while I do believe that the efforts of unity have things we do towards one another, meals, invitations, connections, reconciliation, etc., etc., that the foundation of unity is not a movement towards one another, but a movement towards Jesus. Um, I believe the healthiest marriages are two people that are firmly and vastly in love with Jesus in fervor pursuit of Jesus. All of a sudden, your irreconcilable differences, your islands separated from one another begin to change because you got this common direction you're going in. You got this common spirit that you are pursuing and following and it drastically changes your intimacy when you are desperately pursuing Jesus. The same thing happens in community. If you're desperately pursuing Jesus and I'm desperately pursuing Jesus, then we actually grow closer in unity than further apart. If we want to fix fractures in the church, we need to abandon our ideology and pursue Jesus. When we defend our ideology that is found in religion, denomination, race, nationalism, ethical things, when we define our unity based on those pursuits, we will always be fractured. We will always be divided. There will always be the Calvaries over here and the Bethels over there. There will always be the Word Faith guys over here and the Prosperity guys over here. Whatever the fracture and the division may be, there will always be Democrats over here and Republicans over here. Or there will always be black people over here and white people over here or Asian people over here and Mexican people over here. As long as we allow these things to be the defining terms of our connectivity, we will be fractured. History, ethnicity... Uh, ideology, these things should not define our terms of unity. 
It should be our fervor and our pursuit of Jesus. That, whoa, choked on gum. That's never happened to me ever. That's what I get for stealing your gum. That was awesome. No, I swallowed it. It's good. It'll be in there for seven years. It's cool. It's a God number. <laughs> so what happens when you don't preach for two weeks. You get out of practice. I know I was saying something good. I think you got it. <laughs> Verse 14 says, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Still, we have this framework. It's into Christ, into Christ, Christ, Jesus. This is the framework for all of it. Now, the partnership is important here. It speaks to a process of maturity. It says, hey, if you don't want to be kids that are just tossed around in immaturity by whatever good idea comes your way, truth in love must be present. Now, if I'm going to say something about what I've experienced church culture to really struggle in is it's exercising truth in love. I've seen a lot of expressions of church culture that are really good at exercising truth like a hammer or a sword, hammering people, cutting people, stabbing people, sometimes in the back, and all kinds of things. I've seen truth handled in a really damaging way. Have you ever had somebody speak the truth to you in a way that <laughs> its intent was to hurt you? See, I've seen that before. I've seen that. It's, it's not hard to express truth in anger, truth in damaging ways. All you got to do is let your emotions bubble up in anger and go, Rah! and then later on, they're like, you say sorry, and they're like, yeah, I forgive you, but I think you meant it. And you can't even disagree, but you just can't really so well put it back in Pandora's box because you expressed the truth in a way that was meant to hurt, not build up. And I've seen communities that are really loving and they don't say anything to anybody about anything in their life. They don't partner. There's no truth in it at all. It's just like, oh, I love you. And then when you see something horrible and horrific, you don't say anything because you're like, I think it might cause some waves. And you don't want to touch on it. You don't want to, oh, it's just going to cause problems. If I, you know, if I talk to them or confront them, I don't know if they'll ever talk to me again. They might not like me. I really like, you know, playing backgammon with them. I've literally never played backgammon except for one place, and it was my grandpa's house. <laughs> and we have this idea, and we have this expression in our life where it's like we either are going to be the kind of personality or people that just don't say anything, or the kind of personality of people that say something all of the time. And, and the reality is a culture of Jesus that is helping people mature and that is maturing is actually really understanding of how to speak the truth in love. And if the truth in love is absent, then growth into Christ will be lacking. This is an important thing to really observe, is that if you aren't growing in your life, it might be that either A, you don't know how to receive the truth in love, or B, nobody around you is speaking the truth in love. Because if you're truly receiving and having the truth and love spoken to you, it is an agent of maturation. It is an agent of growth. It causes you to go, oh, wow, okay. And when the truth and love really hits me, I like think. And I think, 
and then I think and think, and then I'm like, I'm tired of thinking. I'm going to fall asleep now, and then I wake up thinking, and then I play sports thinking. I go to coffee thinking and thinking and thinking, and I'm chewing on the meat that somebody gave me or God gave me. And the meat was meant for me to chew on it and to really think about it. The Bible talks about, hey, look, you're at the place of milk where you're just experiencing elementary things and the elementary principles, and you're just stuck on the milk. Easy to digest, easy to consume. I long to give you meat, and we'll read some of those scriptures in a moment, but the point is this, is that when you're truly experiencing truth and love, it's a little bit more meaty than just, hey, brother, blessed to see you. It's good to see you. I would never do that to my wife, though. I would never, <laughs> blessed to see you, wifey. <laughs> But the reality is, is that when you're truly speaking or having truth and love spoken to you, it's a steak. It's something that's meant to be meditated on, thought about, chewed on, applied to your life, prayed on, searched in scripture to see if it's, if it's biblical. It's a, and if it is truth and love, it is biblical. And so you're going to find it in there and or there or have already shared scriptures with you that go along with it. And it's meant to be life changing. It's meant to grow you. It's meant to nurture you. And if you look at the, the processes or approaches of growth, you see it related to farming. You see it related to hard ground. And sometimes somebody helps you grow or speaks the truth and love by pulling up hard ground in the soil of your heart. Have you ever had somebody plow up hard ground in your heart? Have you ever had a hard heart? It's, it's really hard to get out of that place, but sometimes you have somebody that comes along and they start to plow the thing, and you shouldn't run from it. You should be like, this is the worst thing ever and also really good. Because maturing is hard. It's hard. It just takes dying. You know, when Jesus is like, hey, pick up your cross and follow me, this is the journey and the path of maturity in Jesus. It's dying to self, dying to self. It's impossible to mature without dying to self. It's hard. So when somebody comes along and goes, hey, hey, this needs to die inside of you, don't go, blah, 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 blah. No, it doesn't. Defense, defense, defense. Justification, justification, justification. Stop all of that. Stop being a porcupine when it comes to people speaking truth and love to you. You're going to push away the people that are actually sent into your life to grow you. And you're going to push them away because, because of the insecurity and the fear you experience over imperfection. So we should all just handle it right now. It's not shameful to be imperfect. It's not shameful to be imperfect. It's okay. You got sin in your life. You got infraction in your life. You got weakness in your life. So do I. So do I. So do I. So when I've gone uh, and I, I go to Jesus or I go to somebody else and they're like, hey, you need to forgive this. I'm like, ah, okay. My daughter Monroe, whenever I say something to her and like she really knows what I'm talking about, she does this thing where she's, she, or she's two. I don't know what happened. I don't know where. And she walks away. And, and literally, I'll forget that she was mad at me. And five minutes later, she's still doing that walk. And I'm like, you're still mad at me? She just. Yesterday, Brightly did this. But Brightly does it where she runs to the couch and she hides her head in a blanket and pillow. But it so mutes her crying that literally 10 minutes later, this was so sad. 10 minutes later, I look over and she's still crying. I'm like, oh no, I gotta go talk to her. It's been 10 minutes since I, you know, confronted her about her sins. 
<laughs> hey, when you play soccer with kids that age and younger, it's straight chaos. Like, it's not actually soccer. Within 15 seconds, Presley was protesting on a picnic table like 100 yards away. Donovan was there. Brightly was weeping every 35 seconds. I'm talking not like, <laughs> full sackcloth and ash weeping. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in every way into him who is the head into Christ. If you want to grow and you haven't been growing, find a truth and love person and make them speak it to you. Make them speak it to you. Say, I want to know, I want to hear the truth and love. I haven't grown in about six years or six months. I know I'm going to heaven, but I'm not growing, so I need you to help me speak the truth and love in my life. Ask Jesus Jesus will show you. You see David time and time again. Show me if there's any wicked way inside of me. Show me. Reveal it to me. Give me eyes to see it. It's not condemning and or disqualifying for you to notice you have sin or wickedness in your life. It's actually much more disqualifying to not know it's there. And it continues to destroy you and others around you. Find it with Jesus and confess it walk out redemption, walk it out with Jesus. In love, we are to grow in the head of Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is properly, is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. In love. If you are expressing your part out of love, it's not helping people grow. If you're teaching and you don't have love, you could be reading scripture. It's not helping people grow. Because knowledge is not the way to growth and maturity. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were more knowledgeable of the law than anybody else. And they had the hardest time growing with Jesus. They had the hardest time following Jesus. It is not knowledge of your sin or infraction alone that changes you. It takes something entirely different than that. How many of you have known the things that you are not good at for years and you just can't? Yeah, it's like, I, hey, I can tell you what my sin's patterns are. I can tell you what my weaknesses are, right? Like, I know them. Knowledge alone does not change them. The path of repentance is different than just having the knowledge of your brokenness. Jesus is the standard for maturity. The goal of love in this community and or in a culture of Jesus is to speak the truth in love. If you're uncomfortable with confrontation or difficult conversations, learn to have them. And I don't mean learn to have them in the way that you saw this person over there have them and they did a terrible job of it. Some people have only experienced confrontation in a uh, a hammer truth scenario where somebody just pummeled them with the truth over and over again and confronted them until they felt like they were going to hell and they had tons of shame and guilt on their life. If that's your only version of confrontation you've ever experienced, there are so many better ways to confront that are actually helpful. And if you look at the pattern in the life of Jesus, Jesus confronted things. John the Baptist confronted things. It's part of a journey in community when we are maturing together that we confront things. 
and we confront them in love. Confrontation is just bringing a difficult truth. It's just bringing a difficult truth. That's all it is. And if you take on the courage to actually do it, trust me, it's so much more helpful. If it's easier for you to go tell somebody else about somebody else's brokenness or sin, that's not good. Learn to take what you witness in somebody's life that is sinful and broken and learn to find the skills or the approach of Jesus to help them with it. So when you see something in somebody's life, if you go to somebody and you say, hey, did you hear or I saw so-and-so doing such, stop yourself. Stop and go, "I, I must find the courage to speak directly to this individual about these things. And you might say to yourself, but I'm not responsible for it. I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader in church. I'm not preaching. I'm not a leader in their life. Yeah, okay, cool. That may be true, but did you witness things in their life that you recognize are not rooted in truth and they're actually rooted in other things? Now, if you don't want to go and take that responsibility to speak the truth and love to them and be that community to them, then don't speak that truth and love to others about them. You guys tracking with me right now? You guys with me? (laughs) Okay, sweet, awesome. (laughs) So when we see these things, maturity is not uniformity. As we are growing, what's difficult is when we make human beings our model for growth, we do not allow the diversity of taking up the parts of Jesus and expressing them together. It's going to look different for so many of you. This is, by the way, what I really love about homes. Is it's not a discipleship infrastructure or a growth infrastructure that's based on a single figure up talking to hundreds of people. It's actually based on many different home expressions and types. Like, homes are different, right? Like, we have a homeschool home, which means I think it's a little bit more rugged, worn down. You know what I mean? It's got a little bit more hours of time for those kids who are depreciating uh, all of our house. Did you notice this? Kids are depreciating assets. Not themselves, but they depreciate assets. They are the act of depreciation towards everything you own, ever. And you can hide it, but they will find it. It's like Jesus looking for lost people. They will find it. <laughs> They'll look under every stone, nook, and cranny, and it doesn't matter. And, and you know what? When I'm explaining to non-parents what happens with kids, I think sometimes you experience, do you ever experience judgment from people that don't have kids? If you're a parent, you ever? I don't judge them back. You know, I don't say things like, hey, wait till you have kids. I don't have to. (laughs) They'll see. (laughs) But you know what the crazy thing I was thinking about this the other day is I was like, and this is a really vital story. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, it's things you don't know they'll destroy, they destroy that, that catch you. You know what I mean? You can put guards on everything. You can teach them stuff and all this kind of cool stuff. But, like, the other, they, they removed the doorstop. You know. So they thought it was cool. They thought it was a toy. They were using their imagination, all this kind of cool stuff. So what happened was is the door opens at a normal whatever, and it just pops a hole in the drywall, right? How could we have stopped that? I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe just like put them in a bubble or a box. That's an impossible thing to stop. And then you never know until it breaks the drywall that they did that. And you're like, oh. It's perfect. 
It's so perfect. I think maturity does a couple of things, and, and I, I wrote down a few points here that I really liked, and I'm going I'm to say them all in one minute. 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3 says, Put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. There are so many profound things said in this. And what I believe is really important to what we've been talking about is these things get in the way of the pursuit of Jesus. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Because it gives the context here. It says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. I really believe that sometimes even, sometimes we take on uh, injustices and we grow accidentally, we grow malice or we grow slander and envy over these places of woundedness, and we don't realize that it actually stopped us from pursuing Jesus. We've made our life goal and objective this thing about reacting to or retaliating against evil, and then we've been fighting it for years, and we're tired, we're exhausted, we're jaded. Look, our Christian journey of maturity was not meant to be specifically and solely a fighter of evil. When you make your life objective contending and fighting evil, you do a bad thing to your Christian walk. Your Christian walk, my Christian walk, is supposed to be defined by a pursuit of Jesus. Yeah, we're going to fight evil along the way for sure, but it's not your life journey. It's not the pursuit of your existence as a Christian to fight off all evil in yourself and others. And if you believe it's your actual purpose as a Christian, you're going to be absolutely ravaged by the amount of evil that you cannot defeat. And you're going to be tempted to remove choice from people because a lot of people keep choosing evil even after you've encouraged them time and time again. And you'll go, what do I do? Evil still exists in their life and in their heart. And you'll be tempted to manipulate. You'll be tempted to control so that they'll stop doing evil. The point of this is, is set these things aside. Desire like a newborn infant, just instinctively, innately desire the nutrition of Jesus. Desire the connection with God. This is the sustaining aspect of our maturity. Like I said, we don't mature by specifically or solely moving towards one another, we mature by moving towards Jesus and letting all of this stuff never stop us from laying it aside and moving towards Jesus. So today what I think I'd encourage you on is, as we're finishing this time is that no matter what you've seen in your life, no matter what ideology you've experienced or things that you've taken on in your life, set them aside and allow yourself to purely and fully pursue Jesus. Be transformed by those things. Be matured by those things. Allow people around you to speak the truth and love when you're not in that place of pursuing Jesus. Allow the truth and love to be spoken when you've stopped forgiving and somebody says to you, I think it's time for you to forgive. I think it's time for you to let go of the bitterness that's in your heart. I think it's time for you to move on from this fight. Move on from this place. Move towards Jesus. 